Hello and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I am your host and I am very excited to be joined as always by my partner in crime, the Fulham Flyer, the Shawangunk Express. He is the Errol Jones to my Errol Flynn. Phil Vondra, welcome back to the Pain Cave. Thank you, Jay. As always, good to be here sitting face to face with you via the Zoom and that fresh haircut of yours. You look like uh, Tom Cruise from the original Top Gun. Thank you. That's Absolutely what I was going amazing, for. Yeah. That's what I was going for. Did you do it terrible yourself? Terrible news or that you Maverick was delayed. I, d- I actually went to town to that new place in town. Um, it is a, a very weird scene that I'll have to tell you about. Uh, but I think, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I spent like 30 bucks on it and came out with yeah, a haircut I'll, that I could I'll probably do myself. I'll go there with you tomorrow so. and ask your money back. That'll yeah, be fine. That'll be good. <laughs> we are super psyched, Phil, continuing our string of incredible guests to have one of the all-time greats on the show tonight and a fellow coach from the Boundless Coaching family. Uh, now we're really psyched to have her on the show. She is among many, many, a list of many, many accomplishments, probably best known as the 2017 Western States champion. Uh, she's also the former FKT holder for the Rim to Rim to Rim Trail, one of the all-time FKTs and was second at the Leadville Trail 100 in 2019. She runs for Brooks, Method 7, Spring Energy, Petzl, and One Farm CBD. We are so excited to welcome Kat Bradley onto the show. Kat, welcome to the Pain Cave. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Really psyched to have you on. And we are going to do one of our world-famous 20 questions episodes, and uh, we're going to have a ton of fun. But before we get into it, Phil, what are we drinking tonight? So I'm, uh, I'm tapering. I've got a big race coming up a week today. So i am also got to be a little bit of a swim taxi tonight. So I went with a extremely refreshing Reed's ginger beer, but not just any ginger beer. I went for the, uh, the version they call the strongest. It has 200% more ginger than the original version. So I, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen to me, but I'm going to give it a go. If you Okay. If I go missing during the, the podcast, you'll you'll know. I am tapering for the same race, so you're making me feel like a real jackass, but I am because I ran out of athletic non-alcoholic, I am gonna actually have to drink a real beer. Uh, not that athletic isn't a real beer. We love athletic here on the show. I have another Oscar Blues. I'm gonna do a classic Mama's Little Pills here. And Kat, what do you got? I got the only thing that was in my fridge and a little teeny tiny bit of a pre-double rose. So cheers. Very nice. Yeah. Cheers, cheers. everyone. Uh, all right. Excellent. Starting the show out right. Kat, it has been a really uh, eventful summer, I would say, on the racing front in general and uh, your racing front in particular. <laughs> I think as, cool. we all, as we all kind of emerge out of the pandemic, you know, we're starting to see people coming back and it's, it's been uh, a little while since you were kind of in the spotlight of the sport in 2019 with the second place finish at Leadville. Tell us a little bit about the past couple of years, what it was like uh, kind of being out of the spotlight over the course of 2020 and then your return to racing this summer. Yeah, um, I mean, so my whole 2020 started out with a, um, a February DNF at Tarawara for my, you know, if, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I head on and in 2015, I'm fully deaf in my left ear because of that and, and have, um, you know, broke my pelvis and had some lingering issues. So after my DNF at Tarware in 2020, I actually um, immediately got home and scheduled back surgery that, you know, I was told that I needed, but I was also, I was like, I, 
maybe I don't need it. So uh, <laughs> I had, you know, I was told I needed it, but I, you know, some people were like, you, you can fix it with PT, but turns out that um, when, so I had broken my pelvic ring, it turns out, and it was hard to see in an MRI and it had healed in a weird way because it was a displaced fracture. And so that bone had fused hmm. um, and it just, you know, as it, it broke um, from not being corrected. And so I had surgery to fix that. And so the pandemic hit in a perfect time for me. I mean, it was stressful for a lot of other reasons, but I had a good 12 weeks of no exercise at all. Um, and then a slow return to running and I still came back too fast. So then I took another nine weeks totally off running in the fall, not only off running off exercise. So I had, oh, no. um, cumulative about you know 20 you know 25 weeks off running in um in 2020 which was crazy um the longest i've ever gone and then uh you know the build has been slow still and i'm you know now running without pain is incredible but um being not in the spotlight and you know not racing and having that force break you know that i scheduled the surgery before you know the pandemic was serious enough where everything shut down. Um, but it just, you know, turned out I wouldn't have been able to race anyway. And so it worked out for me. Just a, a question of interest on the medical side of it. You know, when, when you have a fracture that kind of heals incorrectly like that, what does that surgery entail? Were they actually kind of shaving down the bone callus or what? Yeah, what they shaved down. So they actually, luckily it was, they did not have to re-break it. Okay. Um, yeah. Which is what they thought they were going to have to do when I went into the surgery. They thought they were going to have to re-break my pelvic disc, which would have been a longer recovery, but they only shaved, they shaved down the bone a little bit because it was only a few millimeters off and it had callus, like there had been it had calcified. So there was more bone growth there. Right, right. Um, so they didn't need to re-break it. They just shaved it down. But that little like few millimeters of extra bone on my pelvic ring was pressing, creating all these, this nerve pain. Right. Um, in my neck, even, you know, I would feel it. I remember I could tell if it was going to be a good day or bad day by when I went to the bathroom in the morning. Like if I could look at my feet without pain, it was going to be an okay day. But most days I like, couldn't even look at my feet in the morning, wow. you know, so, it, you know, it's just, it was, um, I was, it was surgery, best case scenario, but, um, uh, you know, I, I should have gotten it, you know, five years ago. So how hard was it as basically a professional athlete, you know, to, to recover from a major surgery like that? And, you know, kind of the, the, I mean, does that entail doubt or, you know, kind of self-reflection or like how difficult of a comeback is that? Well, you know, I think I had already had from, you know, just so many years of running through pain or, you know, every time I started a race, it was basically a crapshoot, um, whether or not I'd be in that amount of pain or not. You know, I almost, the, I had been really flaring up the week of Western States actually. And I almost didn't run Western States. I almost didn't start. Right. And, you know, luckily I had a fine day at Leadville. Um, it didn't, I had no issues at Leadville, but like then Tarwera, like out of the blue, six miles in, it seized up and I could hardly walk. And, and it's, so I think the self-doubt, um, I already had so much self-doubt from this pain and running, training through this pain, you know, every day, it's mentally exhausting to right. train through that type of pain. So I think at that point, you know, I was so ready for that time off and that 
because of that. And, you know, so the surgery, all I saw was hope, you know, um, because it had been so many years of just like pain and, you know, not knowing if I'm going to be able to complete my training run or complete the race, you know, um, and so many days of tears and stuff. So all for the best. That's great. That's great. So has this year, this year must've been, kind of a new experience training pain-free or maybe close to pain-free for a while. It was incredible. Totally like CCC. So I had, I raced CCC this year and I had a pretty terrible day. And most of that is rust and un- being undertrained. Um, but, you know, I was faced with a DNF um, at Champé Lac, which is 55 K and then I looked inwardly and I was like, this would be my first DNF ever that I'm just quitting because it's really hard and I'm not in the front. And like all my D I never said I would do that every time I DNF because it was painful, right. you know, because I could not because, right. because I was faced with injury and, and this would have been, I would have, and I said, I would never DNF just because it was hard or I wasn't in the position that I wanted to. And, you know, there I was looking, facing a DNF because of those reasons. And I was like, I can't do that. Like I'm not injured. I'm not, I'm not in pain. So it, you know, it, it was a cool experience, uh, it all coming together at CCC. And even though I didn't have the day I wanted, like I got the day I needed and, you know, it, it's a new leaf and a new, I feel like a totally new athlete. Right. You had an, an interesting buildup to CCC, which I assume was the, um, was the goal race for the, for the year or for the summer. You mm-hmm. had, you had a, a really, what sounds like a, a, a really good day that went a little bit awry at Speedgoat, and then you had a, a really great week at uh, Trans Rockies. Can you tell us a little bit about those two races? Yeah, so um, Speedgoat, I was going to sign up for the 50K, and then um, my coach and I, I work with Matt Fitzgerald, and we realized, you know, about two weeks before that my training hadn't been what it sh- should have been. I was doing, you know, 30 to 50 mile weeks instead of 70 to 90. Um, and so we decided to drop down to the, from the 50 K to the 28 K just so, um, you know, if you're not trained for that type of 50 K, it's a lot of stress and really hard to recover from. So we didn't want to have to take that time to recover. Um, so we decided to do the 28 K had a first great climb, you know, it's like 5,000 feet or something and 10 miles, the first climb and nine and 10 miles and I start shooting down. I'm winning and I'm just following guys. And then I shoot down this hill and just keep, I I keep running down, got totally lost. And, you know, that was honestly the first time I was faced with the DNF without injury, but I didn't really (laughs) consider it because I accidentally before I knew there was two climbs, but I accidentally ran down to the finish line. And then, um, uh, so I got to the finish line and I'm like, short some miles and no one's there yet and I'm like no (laughs) have to run all the way back up end up you know adding eight miles so great training day for CCC um and you know just hilarious honestly (laughs) um I was pretty bummed because it was you know it's a competitive race and I was winning blah 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 but whatever you know I didn't care ultimately um and then Trans Rockies I'd signed up for is like a um you know, uh, panic, I need the training, can't seem to get it in. Um, so that Trans Rockies, if you're not familiar, it's 120 miles through the Rocky Mountains with um, over six days with mm-hmm. about, you know, 25,000 feet of vert. And um, that was also probably not the smartest thing. 
I, me and my partner, Mike Oliva, my, um, my teammate in this race, we won it, but I realized after when it took me, you know, two weeks to recover from that, that I was probably a little undertrained for that. And so just like speed goat would have, it took me too long to recover from a hundred. I went from right. doing like 50 mile weeks tops to, to 120 mile week is like our last resort. And then I just like destroyed myself. Um, do you think so, that did that negatively impact? I'm sorry. Did that negatively impact your race at CCC? Do you think was it just not enough time in between? Um, you know, I think it probably did. I got just you know because I wasn't well trained. I and because my body was working so hard to recover from Trans Rockies, I got just so sick after. And it wasn't COVID. I got all COVID tests, but I had this like really deep guttural cough you know the kind where you can like feel the fluids in, inside yep. coming out yep and uh i had that the day of ccc oh. and um and it didn't go away and maybe it would have but i had all these meetings and sponsor obligations and um chamonix which i'm not complaining about you know i love seeing the brands that i work with but just with that schedule i just it absolutely impacted ccc yeah um, wasn't recovered, got really sick, stayed really sick. We've, we've talked about that before on the show. I know other people have as well. Just the the amount of sponsor obligation that the <laughs> kind of the race week or the or two weeks before in Chamonix uh, leading into those races can, you know, that seems like it can really take a toll on people. And, and we've, you know, we're not the only people who have speculated that some of the struggles that the U.S. men in particular seem to face over there are related to maybe just trying to do a little bit too much in that race. How, how different is it than the build up to a, just a race on the domestic side? And, um, and, and how much does that kind of have the potential to, to wreak havoc on your prep? You know, um, that's a really good question and something that I think of a lot. Um, but the day before, to the Thursday before CCC, and CCC's on a Friday, or I guess the Wednesday before I'm in meetings with sponsors from 9am to 7pm. Oh, God. And that's not an exaggeration. And I and I love seeing my brands. And I honestly, you know, I'm, I like people and I like communicating with people. So I was happy to talk to them and, you know, be around the people who are supporting me because it's the only time of year. So it's it is energizing in so many ways. But it's also, you know, it's a different ball game and the longer you are in the sport um in the sport the more more meetings and things that you seem to have right. when you show up in chamonix and this was on, when i was there in 2018 i maybe had two and this time i was i was booked out every day um and then the elite panel and stuff like that right. so it's, it is a different ball game and it feels like a festival and it feels like almost like if anyone has been an outdoor retailer like it feels like that where you're just like in meetings all day and meeting people that you only get to see so it's exciting but it definitely you know maybe if we had like those festivities the week after the race right be more productive right no i mean it's like you say it's exciting and and but that that can i mean there's there's only a certain amount of energy that you have to parcel out over that week and that can i could see that being a real drain i mean we talked to beth pascal um heading into western states and she was talking about how you know uh, uh, Olympic Valley can be kind of like a miniature version of that in the week leading up to States. And, and that's why she's had, she feels like she's had a lot of success, like camping out in, you know, the woods the week before States. And I remember, 
you know, Jeff Rose used to do that before states as well. I mean, just sometimes and that's just actually what I did before Western trying states to remove too. yourself from that um, and environment I was lucky right. then where I had the luxury of, you know, being able to do that. But and that's great that Beth got to do that pre Western. But I think before UTMB, it's almost impossible. Yeah. You know? So it um, really, it really it, does. You got, you know, and that's OK. I feel like we just have to figure out all, you know, as brands, as athletes and then as the race organizer who puts on the, you know, the elite panel, it's incredible. It's energizing, but it's also, you know, you're standing on stage for like 45 minutes in the heat yeah. the day before you race, you know? Um, but I, uh, you know, I personally, I don't know how to change it or make it better because it is exciting. And I feel like it's my, you know, I'm so grateful that I get these opportunities and I like engaging these people so maybe we can figure out how to change it but maybe like make it more optional because <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it's not optional now right but, right and maybe if we had more of a choice it would you know we could pick and choose what we want to so we weren't booked out all day right but, right yeah yeah and, and a lot of times it just seems like the athletes who are best able to kind of manage that are the ones who succeed really and and right i, I mean it'd be interesting to see what they're doing or how the pressures are maybe a little bit different or if they're able to com compartmentalize it differently. Mm -hmm. Totally. Anyway, let's let's get into our 20 questions portion. This is what we kind of do with uh, folks like yourselves who have just been around the sport for a long time and, and have been on all the different podcasts, that, you know, a gazillion different podcasts. You've been asked the same questions and answered the same questions over and over. And we kind of do this as a mix of things, A, to ask some probably pretty stupid questions that you haven't been asked before, but also because we like asking some some questions that we ask the same that that we ask people over and over and see how, you know, the real uh, elites in the sport do different things and, and kind of how their approach is similar, or how it's different. And, and maybe we can learn something from all that. So we're going to do 20 questions. We can go as short as you like, as, as long as you like. Some of these are just going to be real quick answers. Probably if you have any good stories you want to expound, just go off and, and we'll go from there. Sound good? Sounds good. Phil, why don't you get us started? I am ready. Let's do this. Okay. Um, I'm going to go straight in there and say, what is your go-to pre-race meal? Oh my God. This is probably where I differ because it's differ from other athletes because it's never the same thing twice. Um, before CCC, I had rice and vegetables and some salmon. Okay. So pretty healthy. Yeah, pretty healthy. You didn't get like a big pizza to eat. Like, it seems like a lot of people <laughs> like pizza. I did pizza before Western States um, oh, and a lot okay. of, but it's just whatever's on hand. You know, I, um, I had some, I literally, it was leftovers in the fridge before at the Airbnb before um, CCC this year. Nice. Uh, I'll piggyback on that. What's your favorite or, or your go-to aid station food? Um... In Europe, sausage and cheese. Yeah. Um, and in the U.S., I only do my own food. I only do gels, which is spring. I don't even touch aid station foods unless I do like hash browns. Um, that I will do. But usually, aid station foods in the U.S. I, I'm, you know, U.S. races are just so much faster that I'm not stopping. <laughs> you know, <laughs> can't. <laughs> Quick gel and moving on. Exactly. Um, okay, what is your bucket list race? Um, right now, Ultra Trail Mount Fuji. Oh, nice. That does look actually very amazing. That, that and I will crazy. also say, I, after this week watching Tour de Jean, I never had any interest until this year. And I'm like, 
think yeah. I could do well. <laughs> so that, that really does look incredible and some of the video footage that i've seen of the i think it's the aosta valley is that right a lot of it's mm -hmm. it's running mm -hmm. that i mean it just looks absolutely stunning um it, i i've never thought i wanted to do it until this year and yeah. this year I, I have that little itch in the back of my head that's like yeah. oh i think i could maybe be pretty competitive and it looks incredible so yeah it really does yeah. right cool nice nice what is your worst DNF or epic race failure? Oh my God. Um, so I was, uh, it's not, it's also a success, but a failure in that. So I was DFL my first two hundreds. First one, you know, I'm 22. First one, partying too much, got bronchitis, mm -hmm. finish. There's this awesome picture of um timmy olsen looking at my uh i'm like ah and he's looking at my throat to make sure i can because everyone's like worried about me you know this young girl youngest probably by 10 years at the and time that um, was it that was at uh pine to palm go ahead was that at pine to palm that was bryce 100 oh at bryce okay so 36 hours um, I actually did not get an official finish because it took me like 36.10 or something, uh, oh which I understand, but why I oughta at the same time. Um, but then second one was Pine to Palm. And yes, another epic failure because that, so I do Bryce all fired up. Don't get an official finish. We'll still running hundred miles. Um, but do Pine to Palm weekend before I didn't learn my lesson. I'm, I'm partying in Santa Barbara with some friends and uh, my friend, uh, Cleora, who's coming to visit, I, I'm living with some friends and I don't have a key. So I'm breaking through the apartment at my friend Kyle and Kian's apartment. And I'm, I have to climb two stories to get in. And so I'm like climbing and then I help her up. And then she's on the ledge and she gets scared while I'm climbing in. So she pushes me through the window. <laughs> and then I hit my kneecap on the bathtub. And turns out I broke my patella bone, but I didn't know that at the time. So I did pine a palm and walked every step of the race, walked uphill wasn't so bad, but then I had to walk, when I walked downhill, I had to do it all backwards. Holy I had to walk shit. down backwards. <laughs> um, another DFL. Um, and then the funny thing is, is so when I was winning Western States at Corey Road, which is mile 95 or mm -hmm. something, yep. one of the last aid stations, Hal Corner, who's the race director of Pine to Palm, is working that aid station. And, um, when I ran Pine to Palm, how I was, you know, again, everyone is so worried about me at this race. It's like, <laughs> who's this girl with duct tape all around her knee? <laughs> like at one of the aid stations, I'm just like, give me some duct tape. And I just don't know what I'm doing. I'm just wrapping it the best I can try and split it. Just MacGyvering it. it. <laughs> exactly. And, and everyone, all the moms there are like, she needs to stop. And Hal's like, let her go. So I look at Hal at Corey Road and I'm like, Hal, do you remember me? I'm the girl that walked every step of your race. And he's like, Kat, you got to go right now. <laughs> Magda, an Olympian, is chasing you. got to leave. And I'm like, bye, Hal. Good to see you again. <laughs> so that whole thing is, you know, success and failure. That's, uh, that's awesome. That's great. Cool. <laughs> Right. Um, what is your typical weekly mileage? Um, when I'm behaving, uh, I do not really out well. partying with your friends. <laughs> I know. When I'm behaving. Through window, falling through windows. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago. But you know, this summer, I you know, I wasn't great, and it was like 50 miles with 
um, two to three speed workouts a week. Um, but I do best, you know, I perform my best when I'm between 70 and 100. So, you know, build 70, lots of 80, 90 mile weeks, and then maybe 100 mile week one or two. Right. Seems like a, a decent amount. Seems like good mileage, but not going over the top and kind of stressing the body to get injuries and stuff. So, yeah. So. Before Leadville, I did like maybe four or five hundred mile weeks, and that was just way too much. And I, right. you know, I ultimately went into Leadville a little bit tired. Um, right. So, you know, it's a all part of the process. And I've worked with a lot of coaches and coached myself, um, and I found that just like it's consistent eighties. If I can do like eight to 10 week of eighties and a, you know, two or one or two 90 to a hundred mile weeks. And I'm, I'm fit. Right. Mm. Cool. Um, along those lines, you said you've worked with a bunch of coaches. Are you currently working with a coach? Yeah, I've been, um, working with Matt Fitzgerald since, uh, December. Oh yeah. His, his books are some of my, uh, my favorites. Yeah, me too. You know, he's been great. Um, we connected after, um, when I just had, so I had back surgery, took 12 weeks or 12, 16 weeks off, started running again. And I, we got connected after my nine weeks of zero after, you know, when I realized it wasn't those 12 weeks weren't enough. Um, so I took nine weeks off in the fall and then needed change and, you know, wanted someone to help me with my head game too. And, you know, Matt is, yeah. um, you know, the known guy in the industry for yeah, that. Yeah, so. for sure. For sure. We've been working out well. He calls me the naughty pro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do him wrong, though. <laughs> well, hopefully he won't listen to this podcast then. Um, sure what, uh, what motivates you when things start to suck? Um, in races or in general? Uh, in races. I mean, I guess in general as well a little bit, but primarily in races. Um, what motivates me is that I'm just extremely competitive. Um, so like at CTC, for example, the only reason I left the aid station, you know, and I was being just such a baby to my crew. I was like, I don't, and I truly believe this at the time, but I was like, I physically do not think I can make it over those three passes. You know, I was like, ah, cramps, blah, poor me. And, but then I saw Amanda Basham leave. Um, the aid station. It took both of us, it took me two and a half hours to leave Champaylock. Two and a half hours. Wow. Um, and, but I saw Amanda Basham leave and I was like, I can't, I can't uh, stay. And then I start, you know, ate a little bit of food that I could keep down. So the issue was I'd been puking all day from like 10 K in for whatever reason, just bad luck. And um, then once I left Champaylock, I started passing people and I I'm one of those people that like, I'm not that fun to play board games with all the time. Like I'm so competitive. (laughs) So like when I'm passing people, when I feel terrible, you know, it feeds me, it feeds my ego It feeds, you know, and so that's what motivates me. And like for Western States, for example, but clearly my best race, I um, made the, you know, I was at Robertson flat and I was like, no one's going to pass me for the rest of the day, you know, and that I got that in my head so deep that <laughs> I, you know, and that, so that's what motivates me. It's just like, I'm hyper competitive and that even when I'm feeling terrible, there's someone, you know, it, when at CCC there's, I'm going down the last descent and I'm like, I hope there's no other women 
or no person in the finishing shoot. It's like a, a 2K through the town before you finish. And I'm like, I hope there's no one there so I can just relax. There's three women there. And I'm like, end up running like <laughs> you know, sub seven minute mile for my last minute, you know, and that, you know, that's the only thing that can get me out of a hole is just if someone else leaves or right. someone's like, I'm going to beat you. Right. Competitive drive. I like it. <laughs> cool. Cat, right, remind uh, me not to get anywhere ahead of you in a race. You know, that's very unlikely <laughs> right. to happen because I'll be run over. Excellent. <laughs> I don't Sounds think good. I, I, <laughs> it probably could only happen in the first fifty yards. I, so I was going to say, Phil. I don't think. I don't think you need to worry. I, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Cat, uh, technical trail or buttery single track? Technical. Really? Yeah, it surprises people, but and maybe that's only because I'm competitive. Um, but typically for the women, especially in the United States, I tend to pull away in technical terrain. And even at CCC, all the descents is where I was uh, pulling away. And oh, at wow. UTMB, when I did that in 2018, I was in, uh, I was in 10th and um, it finished and was able to pass four women in that descent. So, I, you know, I do prefer everyone, I think, prefers butter, but I'm better at technical, so... Oh, all right. We got to get you out on the East Coast then. I I know those trails. I don't <laughs> love those. <laughs> I will say, I only psychos love those. I mean, I, I, I like dog Phil, for yeah. a walk today, and I managed to fall over on the technical trail. So you know, it's pretty oh, good. yeah, they're brutal. Well, it's so muddy and and leafy that you can't even see yeah. that it's. <laughs> it was all greasy and kind of lichen and everything and you know yeah. and i was like be careful on these slabs they're really slippery two steps onto it straight over on my side i was like yep okay that's that was not good yeah. um all right what's the uh the toughest race that you've ever run um utmb for sure um super tough for so many reasons you know i was fit and ready again had to travel for a sponsor obligation before got sick. One of these days I'll show up healthy, but, um, I ended up tearing my esophagus halfway through, or it didn't actually tear all the way until Valacine. And then Valacine, I start puking up this, uh, black stuff. It's like, and it looks like coffee grounds and I'm like, Oh, whatever. <laughs> and it's probably like something weird gels. And, but then it doesn't stop for hours after the finish. Um, and but my throat anyway it doesn't matter what happens and it turns out to be blood and like blah 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 but i about after i puked up the black stuff the first time my throat swelled and at valacine mile 95 you still have 12 miles left you know it's not like you know you, yeah it would be great if you just had five but it's still 12 <laughs> miles and like five thousand feet of climbing um so my throat was like i could hardly breathe and i'm like it was just hard because it's a hard, hard, hard race. And then I also had some personal obstacles and it's super competitive. So like, you know, in races in the U S you're, you can't, you'll be alone for 20 miles at a time. Um, but in at UTMB, there's all, it's always, you're always like, you know, fighting for position, especially right. in the top that year the top 10 was like all an hour apart right. um, and the top, you know, the six through 10 where we were all like 15 minutes apart. So like mm -hmm. this crazy competitive pressures on a hundred percent of the time for the 26 hours it took me and, uh, and I was not hundred percent. So UTMB for sure. And you've got a ripped esophagus and you're coughing up blood. It's uh, it's not a great combination. <laughs> no, if you look at the podium photos, you can see they made me 
I could I could go to the podium, but I had to bring my IV bag because I went. I, oh, as soon, I called my doctor, Doctor Josh from Steady MD. He's a he's a local guy in Boulder, and I called him and I was like, Josh, why am I puking? This like, what is this? And he was like, You need to go to the hospital right this second. <laughs> um, and uh, but the, you know the podium photos are so funny because I'm so happy. I'm like, I did it. <laughs> an IV bag behind me. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, quick one for you. Speed work or hills? Uh, speed work. Nice. Um, I will do a quick one as well. And I really have a feeling that I know the answer. Roads or trails? Trails. Yeah, of course. Although I love both. Okay. Yeah, I don't mind a little road run every now and then. There's nothing wrong yeah. with it, you know? I love them still. But uh, trails are where my heart is. Yeah, totally. What's your taper strategy one to two weeks out from a race? Um, it depends how well the training block went. Um, for example, CCC, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, usually I do my bit last big run the two weeks before and I do a hard, you know, four to six hours on trails similar to the trails that I'm racing on. And then do a hard taper with one more two hour run the week before still doing speed workouts just like reduce mileage by mm -hmm. you know two-thirds the first week or a third the first week so right. if i'm doing 90 i'll do 60 mile a week and then almost nothing like five mile runs a week of right and maintaining speed work maintaining speed work yeah. for sure i i often will do a little speed workout the day before a race you know um my bread and butter is like five ten minute warm-up five minute tempo you know, 10 by 20 seconds, 40 seconds, five minute tempo, five, 10 minutes easy. And that's, that just makes me feel fresh nice. and ready. Yep. Yep. Just get you tuned up. Cool. All righty. Um, what's the best book that you've ever read? Name of the Win by Patrick Rolfus. It's a fantasy. Um, I swear to God, it's going to be the next Lord of the Rings. I'm such a nerd that I'm on all the fantasy boards and like I'm a contributor in those. So <laughs> nice. I'll tell you my username though, because <laughs> that is too embarrassing. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Uh, see, you know, if you'd had a full glass of rosé, we would have found out by the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Next podcast. Is it recent? Cool. I'll have to tell my, my kids about it because they're big fantasy uh, readers also. Yeah. How old are your kids? It might be one for them to be a little bit older. 13 and almost 16. They've read, uh, they've done Lord of the Rings and, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. 16 year old would love it for yeah. sure. Okay. What's the other one? 10 you said? No, 13. 13, yeah. Uh, they're probably both fine. Okay. As long as you're fine with it. The older ones read Game of Thrones. So it's so. a great book. Okay. Yeah. No, I love that stuff too. That sounds great. Sounds good. What's your favorite race? What's my favorite race? Yeah. Mm, you know, I can't choose between Leadville, Western, and UTMB, and that just shows how spoiled I am. <laughs> Three of the all-time greats for sure. For sure. Leadville, yeah. I, I love Leadville. We've talked about that before. Me too. I Leadville, you know, I... I loved Leadville. It was one of the best ex racing experiences I've had. Yeah, it's a great community and, and a great race. They do a really nice job. All right, we're getting there. Phil, go ahead. All right, this is uh, one of my favorites. If you could compete in any non-running sport at the Olympics, what would it be? Oh, my God. 
Um, so does it have to be at the Olympics? Because I don't think this is an Olympic sport either. <laughs> no, I guess um, professionally it's something else. What? Okay. What do you got? Paragliding. <laughs> 100%. Oh, I would be a professional paraglider. <laughs> and that... I may have gone in Chamonix and I may be signing up for courses. Oh next my year. gosh. Right. <laughs> it does look amazing, I have to say. Yeah, it's so fun. Um, but if I have to go with an Olympic sport, uh, probably, you know, I thought when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be an, eight, an Olympian at the 800. So. You know, I still in the back of my mind, you know, can feel that. So Get out on the track. Nice. Do you play a musical instrument? And if not, what do you wish you could play? Um, you know, I dabble and I have a, I dabble in guitar. I wouldn't say that I'm a musician, but I have one and I play a few times a week. Um, and I played violin for 12 years and I just wish I kept that up. Um, and maybe I will when I have more time. Nice. Alrighty. Um, who is your all-time favorite runner? Wow. Um, that's a super tough one. Um, you know, I have to say my all-time favorites are the people that I run and train with. And, that you know, I'm lucky to train with some of the best in the sport. Um, who's coming to mind right now is who I just look up to so much as an athlete in person. And um, got to see her come on the scene is Abby Hall. You know, she and I, before I won Western, would run together. This is she was Abby Mitchell then, and um, this is before she even met Cordis or been with him. And we were talking about our dreams, and like she was like, "I want to win CCC one day," and I was like, "I hope I win Western States one day." And we just talked about like our dream, big, biggest and wildest dreams, and just watching Abby relentlessly chase after hers. Um, and getting to see that at CCC, uh, it was one, you know, from a friend perspective, someone who cares deeply for, her, but also as a uh, um, a fan of the sport, you know, her steady progress and her dedication to her dreams is just unlike anything I've ever seen. And so I gotta, I gotta say, right now, you know, Abby Hall. That's awesome. Excellent. Cool. What changes do you see in ultra running over the next five to ten years? So I think um, it's going to become like track running where and professional marathoning where the people, if you're the people in the top 10 of both UTMB, Western States, all the big, big competitive um, races, they will not be able to both train and race and have a job. Um, I think that's going to be, you know, Two things. First, speaking of Abby Hall, when she decided to do CCC and decided she and wanted to take her game up, level up in the sport, she quit her job. You know, she's a graphic designer and she decided to go all in. And that's when she did that in the spring immediately. Second place at Canyons, second place CCC. Um, it just shows that you, you know, the sport is getting to a level where you can't do both. And it's even if you have the time, it's it's the time, yes, you know, you have that extra 40 minutes to roll or do your activations or strength tra train. Um, and like you, but it's also not the time, it's the mental energy. Right. So I was thinking about this a lot in CCC and I've been kind of strung out this year, just working a lot. And um, I've had all these really cool opportunities that I've taken while I was not running and back surgery and that kind of you know, it took over um, through training. So that's why my mileage was so low. And I uh, 
Um, I had this quote from Alexi Pappas kept coming up to me is willpower is finite, you know? Um, and if you use too much of it and that can be, you know, it takes a little bit of willpower to clean the kitchen. It takes a little bit of willpower to do your core. It takes a little bit of willpower to fold your laundry. But if you're working, you know, working full time, trying to train full time, you know, creating, having other creative passions, um, which I do. And like, that's a whole nother story. And, um, you know, walking the dog. And I was thinking about that in the last, you know, in the first 55 K of CCC, when I just was like, I am going to quit. And there's no part of me that's going to continue. And I don't want to. And I was thinking, I was like, I've used my willpower because there've been times and races when I'm fully committed like Western States, I started puking early at Western States as I always seem to. And that was, um, you know, and, but I was fully committed to that. Right. Um, so I think that's, what's going to change in the sport long answer or, you know, just more professionalism well, and yeah. <laughs> period is that people are going to have, if you want to perform and be at the top, you're going to have to dedicate your life to it. And that is, you know, I think Jim Walmsley is an example of that. Uh, Abby, Beth, you know, these are all, Beth quit her job too, right. you know, and that her, you know, she went from being one of the best to the best. Right. Courtney, Courtney. Walker, yep. she's one of the first to do that. She, before Run Rabbit Run in 2016, quit her teaching job. Right. You know, and she didn't know she was going to get picked up by Solomon, but she saw it in her. She was like, I'm going to be the best in the world. Quit her job, dedicated her life to it. And that's going to be what it takes going forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're right more professionalism yeah. yeah it does seem to make sense it's the only way to to win these races now so uh interesting um all righty um what is your favorite beer um well i have celiac disease so uh, i drink um i did have oh my god after ccc i found a gluten-free beer and i cracked it Nothing like a beer after a long day of work. <laughs> um, and it was great. But I, I have no clue what that French beer was, gluten-free beer. But I um, am a big cider fan, um, and I love uh, stem ciders, stem real dry. Nice, nice. Sounds great. It's another reason we got to get you out on the East Coast. We get you into these New York cideries. Oh, yeah. Well, I have my whole family, my mom's side of the family is all from the East Coast. So whenever I'm there, I stock up. Right, New England, right? Massachusetts, is yep. that right? Yeah. Uh, yep. Rhode Island. Rhode Island, sorry. Yep, yep. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. I think Jay was planning to have a race here between all of the uh, cideries. Are they called cideries? Well, that we've done that. We've, we've uh, done. That is a race I'll come to. Okay. All right. I've done that, that a couple of times. We've done uh, uh, donuts, drinking yeah, cider. Yeah, the, the apple cider donut run. We do 50K. <laughs> you can do two, two donuts at each orchard and a glass of cider. Well, I'll have free ciders since I can't eat the donuts. Yeah. No, oh, that's good right. because you then you get a time donuts. bonus apparently. Yeah, you get a time bonus. The more cider you, you you can skip the donuts, that's a time penalty. But the more cider you drink, that's a time bonus. So you, you, well, can, you can even I it will, out. Um, I have a feeling I'll win that one. No, <laughs> I'm good at drinking. Last one, Kat. Who plays you when they make the movie about your life? Mm, can I say my sister? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is she got she an equity her? card? She's the only person I trust <laughs> to portray me. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. She'll portray you in the correct way. <laughs> yeah. Or one of my brothers can do it too. Oh, would you like to be a yeah, be be interpretive, an art, an art house film? Kat, this was really fun. Thank you so much for coming on. What's, what's next for you? What do you got coming up? Anything? Um, you know what? Uh, yes. 
I will be running Javelina and JFK and seeing if I can do that double. We'll see. I'm too ambitious sometimes. Wow. <laughs> those are those are only we'll plans for the rest of the year. I like it. Javelina 100K, and I'm just going to go, you know, what I realized at CCC is I just need to learn how to do this again. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to go and try and see what happens and like train hard, but not stress too much. And um, and then, you know, do these two races. Uh, JFK is a sponsored by Brooks, um, who's my title sponsor. So sure. awesome. I'm going to go there and do that. What and you then three Thanksgiving on the East Coast with my mom. Nice. So three to four weeks between those? Uh, four. Four. Great. Awesome. Yeah, perfect. I think. Oh, well, it's going to be an exciting last last quarter of the year for you. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. And then Hurt 100 if it happens. So. Oh, fantastic. Back back yeah. home to Hawaii. Right, that's where I grew up. So yeah. I got I to gotta bring that home. <laughs> Very cool. That'll be your first time at Hurt, right? It'll be my first Hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's right. amazing. Oh, Teddy's, Teddy's yeah. getting excited now because he heard your race schedule. Very cool. <laughs> all right well they know that's awesome cat we're, we're excited to follow along and uh good luck in all those races and and hopefully we'll see you on the trail soon awesome right back at thanks to everybody for listening and until next time in the pain cave keep putting one foot in front of the other broken down and beaten up the years have been long and tough but i'm not dead happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head I'm not jaded, just been faded Like a good old pair of jeans Rusted like a proud old car That's drove a little too far And seen too much rain But long ago as a child I'm looking back The night sky in wild wonderment Then ride the bus and feel upset 